Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. Well, for those of you who know me or knew me back before I met you folks in the Anglican Communion, I, uh, I would start preaching uh, by pulling a stool into the midst of the community. I'd sit down. I'd roll my flannel sleeves up to my elbows, and, uh, and I'd begin preaching. And it's a little different right now. I don't want to roll the, the sleeves of this alb and face the wrath of the altar guild, so I'll, I'll change up how I, I uh, begin. It's very good to be with you folks today. Um, if, if, you haven't, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet one another yet, my name is Rob Miller. Bishop Susan has placed me in your midst as a student intern for the coming months. And so, in a lot of ways, I'm like a sojourner with you. And believe me, I'm very hungry to learn from you. I'm convinced that there is much you folks have yet to offer. And uh, I also want to bring encouragement with me because I trust that there will yet be sustenance in your stores. You and I and our neighborhood We'll continue at table together, though you may fear otherwise or the lack might be evident at times. So as I said, I'm very thankful to be here and to share with you, to give with you a bit of the joy, uh, the bit of the part of our communal faith together, my faith and your faith. So this morning I greet you in the name of Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you. If you're new with us this morning, you might be surprised by just how much we Anglicans love the Bible. Every Sunday service, we listen to, call and respond with, and sing the words of the scriptures. The language and imagination of our worship service is so thoroughly biblical that we refer to this work this service as a work of word and sacrament. We love the scriptures and attend to them closely. And this posture toward the scriptures might be most evident in the fact that we ruminate on four distinct readings of scripture, one of which is chanted, the Psalms, every Sunday. My friends, that's a lot of Bible in one hour. And some of you folks are like, yeah, Rob, it is a lot of Bible. Why don't, can, we, can we talk to Tim about that new epistle reading that we're doing here? Uh, and some of you folks who will know me know that you're t- talking to the wrong person in that regard. Uh, the scriptures, to me, are a beautiful companion in life. And I want to tell you one of the pleasures of reading the Bible and meditating on multiple parts of it in close succession is that we begin to appreciate just how alive this book really is. We start to hear the conversations that have been taking place between its stories and its poems and its accounts long before we could even read. The Bible is alive and active, and it uses and puts to use many self-referential echoes and allusions 
to give to us the story of salvation, to account for us what God is up to in the world. Today, I believe there's a rich dialogue happening between the Gospel of Mark and the prophetic book of 1 Kings. And by carrying the evangelist Mark back to the prophet, I hope to open our ears to a deeper appreciation what the Bible is for us, maybe expose us to some of its pointed questions, and ultimately excite us toward a more rounded life of faithful participation with Christ, our Lord. See, the faith of Christ, whether we are referring to our faith toward the Lord, or whether we're referring to our Lord's faith toward us, which is a dynamic that should never be separated. The faithfulness of Christ is a braid of these two things active at one, at one time. And this faithfulness is the fulfilling of the law, which hangs, as we know, on the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. When we come to a text of Scripture as we are today, or we're coming to multiple texts in conversation with one another, one of the questions we might ask this, in this conversation is, can you help me reach for this commandment, love of God and love of neighbor, so that I might faithfully live with Christ Jesus? If we were to approach Mark and 1 Kings and interject this question this morning, we'd likely get an answer like this, something like this. Pursue hospitality. Hospitality, the welcome of the stranger, the outsider, is among the greatest pursuits in the love of God and the love of neighbor. And it is perfected, one of the ways it is perfected is in table fellowship. That is, two strangers entering into table fellowship with one another. The common meal. And I think we'd approve of this answer. It's very practical. It requires us to look outside ourselves and focus on those who are less fortunate maybe than us. Maybe, we might say even it's pure, undefiled religion, right? That's James's epistle. And in doing this, we are adding into the conversation our own work of interpreting the scriptures. It's pure and undefiled religion, right? To watch over the widow and the orphan in their affliction. Maybe this is what Jesus is doing, after all, in our gospel text today. He watches over the poor widow and bears witness to what is happening at the offering box. So with this flurry of questions, and considerations, we'd be jumping into the conversation with the scripture and offering our own allusions and echoes and cross-references. We'd be treading and pressing out the scripture in pursuit of hospitality, the great commandment, and ultimately, the faith of Christ. And then something like this might happen. As with, almost with one voice, the scriptures might ask us this pointed question. So, 
Where do you see yourself in the table, ship fellow, in, in the table fellowship, that common meal that's happening between the prophet Elijah and the widow of Zarephath? Where are you in this? Do you, do you have anything in common with either of these hungry characters? Now, I want to remind you, Elijah, we didn't get to this part in our text today, but Elijah is coming to this Gentile woman, this widow, hungry, probably spent about a year in the desert, drinking out of his stream and being fed by ravens morning and evening. Okay? The prophet is hungry. See, because the way we've been talking, maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the scripture might say, makes us believe, well, you maybe have a pretty one-sided view of what hospitality is. That is, you might think that hospitality is about you welcoming the stranger and you providing for the food, providing the food, and you sustaining those in need. And indeed it is, but it is only one side of the coin. As I was reflecting on these texts through last week, I realized that the word of God is indeed a double-edged sword. And it often exposes the ways we play one side of this faith out and not its whole entirety. Lord, don't let us go away in sorrow because of our abundance. You see, faith is a life of giving and receiving. And we must know what it is to receive. The hospitable, those who are eager to make room for the stranger, must also allow the stranger to do the same for them. The common meal, table fellowship, is one dish prepared by all and shared by all. For all are in need of their daily bread, even us. And if we never come to the common table hungry with those who are hungry, then we have fed ourselves, or then perhaps we have fed ourselves before the, the true feast. We have come to a table that we don't believe is for us as well. Maybe we'd be like the scribes of last week's reading. We'd be near the kingdom, but not necessarily at table in it. Elijah and this Gentile woman might speak up and say, I, you know what, search, search the gospel and call for the notion of commonality there. Or, or find for us even a sentence of shared experience in, in Mark's account. An experience like, like we are showing you. I don't think you'll find it. And we might go, we'd, we'd find a lot of giving, but now we'd maybe be a little bit uncomfortable with what's happening in the temple at that offering box. For in the temple, the rich scribes give little of their abundance and so have little in common with the poor. And the poor widow, she gives too. She lets go of her last provisions. And when they slide through the slit in that offering box, in the Gospel of Mark, they're not miraculously coming back as 
the flower seems to not end in Zarephath. See, there's no human hand for her to fill, to offer hospitality to, to, to fill its need. And these are, this is kind of the, the facts of the story of our gospel text today. And they're a bit unsettling when I hear Elijah converse with them. I no longer know how to feel about this familiar text. Am I to be appalled? Because, you know, here are them with much, and here is a widow with nothing. Not only does she have nothing, but the little that she has is gone now, into the box. And so, how am I to feel about this? And if I'm appalled, who do I blame and where do we, who do we hold accountable for this? And the biggest question is why in the world is the Lord watching this all unfold and doing nothing about it? Because we know the Lord. The Lord has entered in before into the temple and turned tables because abundance and wealth was not being shelled out properly. I thought, doesn't this back and forth feel a little familiar to you? Couldn't you say these things and this reflection about any of the situations we find ourselves in today? For instance, now, now that I'm confronted with my own compliance in systemic racism, how am I supposed to feel about who I am and, and enter in? Should I be appalled at the state of our planet while I sip a disposal coffee cup every morning? Who's really to blame here? The knot is tight, my friends. And the most important thing, again, why is Jesus watching this all unfold and doing nothing about it? Or at least just watching. Of course, as we... um, as we remember, as we uh, take time this week uh, to remember the great loss of war and also the, act, the massive acts of hospitality in it, um, we're confronted with the fact that this whole, this whole year has been difficult with a, a, a social war uh, raging and long, long periods of remembrance and of grief. It's all mixed in this year in a way maybe that it hasn't been in a while. And our posture is, how can I offer? How can I fix this? And I think of Jesus watching everything unfold in the temple. And I think, Jesus, are, are you watching this widow because you're watching yourself? You're watching a movement and a grace of giving that you too will take part in not many days from now. Because who could the poor widow of Zarephath be? An extension, maybe her daughter in the proverbial uh, generational poverty of our uh, connected texts. Who could the poor widow be but the one who gave up life in order to sustain another's? Who by their humility could 
have come alongside hungry Israel and coax it to a common table, help Israel recognize his own need of salvation and the hospitality of another, who keeps us alive by the bread that is life itself, who makes one offering and never reaches the bottom of the jar again. That's Hebrews, right? I believe this story is speaking loud in the mind of Jesus as he must have watched Israel's spiritual leaders oblivious to the drama unfolding before them. Jesus is watching closely, studying even, for he knows that in days he too will give his life as an offering, once and for all, for all the confused, all the appalled, and all the complicit. And now we, in these last days, we find ourselves seated where Jesus was, across from the offering box. And now we're watching him. He's on his knees, perhaps. His hands are extended over the black gap in the box. And the coins hit the bottom and ring out together. And I turn to you and I say, truly I tell you that this widow this destitute Christ put in more than all those who gave. For all have given out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty, offered all she had her whole life. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ's Church Cathedral. Our original theme and audio engineering are done by Eduardo Farias. For more information, go to cathedralhamilton.ca. We hope you would join us again soon. Have a blessed day.